A Studio D production. A stu- stu- Studio D production. So, I have a surprise for everyone. What's the hat? Yeah, what is it? Ooh. Nice. Ooh! Business cards. These are fun. It didn't center the logo, so wow. we only have 500 of them. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't, can't really tell. You. No, you oh, can just, tell. Yeah, not. yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it's okay. It's like very barely off. It's yeah, fine. but that's only if you're really paying attention. Our logo is really weird when you can see it up close. It is. It is. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, it looks really weird. <laughs> it's just, when you see it up close, you realize none of those things look like letters. <laughs> none of them do. None of them look like letters. So it's just a big F and then a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> And why is and why is there a baby? <laughs> well, I, I like that. Though. Do you like them? I, I like the baby, I like and I like, I like that it baby. says quack. I just I was it's, telling Hannah, our the word looks really weird when you see it fouled up, up. because yeah, like it yeah. doesn't look like the letters. No, it would have been. Sit down, I want to tell you a story. everyone welcome to effed up family story time i'm salem and i'm hannah and on mic today we have our crew bell and Woo-hoo. kelly and and so we're here recording our bonus episode bonus yeah so you get some weekly episodes here for three weeks in a row count them yeah. one yeah. two three weeks one, in a row two, three it's all because of halloween wow. <laughs> it is all because of halloween though we love halloween so much we have to bring you all the halloweeny goodness so much spoop these Ooh, witches the in hoes love halloween do you like my play on words these yeah. witches, witches in hoes in hoes witches <laughs> witches in pantyhose with stripes witches hose. in hoes so we're here recording Yay. episode 26 Yay. um how's everyone doing i just burped and it was not great <laughs> that that's a this problem this is the episode where you get to hear hannah throw up on mic yeah. <laughs> well i think it's i think it's funny i'm was <laughs> that your throat sound yeah. do it again what <laughs> <laughs> So I'm asking everyone how they're doing because it's been, what, 20 minutes since we've been away from Mike? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly does not look excited we, about the Chiefs game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they just, Pat, Patrick just threw an interception when oh, they're already no. down. And so it's, yeah, it's not oh. looking great right now. I was going to say, a lot has actually changed in the last 20 minutes That's since true. we were up here in terms of the Chiefs game. <laughs> so Kelly's not doing all that great right now. All right. So we are um, doing a continuation of our last episode. Um, it's a new story, but it continues the theme. And this time, Hannah is going to be taking over. So you want to introduce your story? Yeah. So it is a continuation of the stories of the Warrens, those nasty lion bitches. Those bitches. <laughs> nasty lion witches. Um, no, they don't deserve that. No, they no. don't. They're bitches. They're bitches. <laughs> They're both dead now. Is it? 
Are we enjoying making fun of dead people? Are they dead? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, they both now died. I yeah, feel a little bad. Warren, when did he die? I know Lorraine he died Warren a while ago. died Lorraine just Warren. a few years ago. Yeah. But I don't know when Ed died, their but it was way before nephew? Lorraine. Did they have kids? I know their nephew watches over their little museum. I think they had because kids. Because Annabelle escaped, but she didn't. But she didn't. But she did. Wait, that, that was their museum? Yeah. That all that? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the Annabelle doll still exists in their museum, and they have some other artifacts from other cases that they've exploited. But the big, <laughs> the big draw is the Annabelle doll. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am doing a fun little case. I am doing the Devil Made Me Do It case or oh. the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Devil Devil Made Me Do It sounds Devil a little cooler. Do Devil Made Me Do It. Um, so my sources. Why is this paper a different size? We're definitely, we have the drinks a-flowing now. Hey, this is a sparkling water. Okay. <laughs> I have not yet put the shooter into it. <laughs> you, have to, you have to drink a little down first. That's right. <laughs> so my sources were mostly Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, in fact, they were only Wikipedia. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I used the Wikipedia for the, the Devil Made Me Do a case, and then I also used the Wikipedia for the Conjuring movies. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I used a Ranker article list that was Ed and Lorraine Warren's, like, controversies. So this was the first known court case in the U.S. that used the defense of demonic possession and denial of, of personal responsibility for the crime. Uh, on November 24th, 1981, in Brookfield, Connecticut, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson was convicted of first-degree manslaughter for the killing of his landlord, Alan Bono. Uh, Johnson claimed to have been possessed by a demon that was exercised from his girlfriend, Debbie Glatzel's younger brother, David. Um, Wait, so the demon was first in this David kid and yes. it was exercised and then and went, then into, went him? into him? So I'll get was... into it later. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay cool. Ready, Gotta have a vessel. <laughs> this is just the introduction to it all. Um, but I'll I'll go through the whole event. Uh, so the trial gained media attention from around the world and has obtained a level of notoriety due to numerous depictions of the events in literature and in television. And one of these depictions is in Discovery Channel's A Haunting. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> so I tried to find the episode that was about this, but I needed HBO Max, which I do not have, so I couldn't watch it. Oh. But I ha have all of the things from it. Okay. So on this episode, Arnie Johnson and Debbie Glatzel gave their firsthand accounts of the events. And the episode is called Where Demons Dwell. Ooh. Arnie Johnson and his fiance, Debbie Glatzel, claimed that paranormal activity started happening around them after they started cleaning up a rental property that they had just acquired. Um, so Debbie's younger brother, David Glatzel, reported seeing an old man. And this old man pushed and terrified David, who was only 11 years old at the time. Oh. David told his family that the old man vowed to harm them if they moved into the rental property. So these visions that David was having included seeing the old man as a demonic beast. And he muttered in Latin and threatened to steal his soul. Oh. Yeah. The entire family reported hearing noises coming from the attic of the rental property. But David was the only one who saw visions of the old man. David then began experiencing night terrors and exhibiting strange behaviors, and there were unexplained scratches and bruises that started appearing on David's body. 
that's the stuff that's always real convincing to me yeah like Like when they're physically being demonstrations of being bruised and stuff and that's often a sign of a quote demonic presence is scratches i mean it it seems to be a certain kind of entity that can create such a physical manifestation yeah i think that's a lot of it is just like the ability to have that like power to you know because like most like harmless entities don't have the ability to create like a physical presence outside of like being able to like move like an object, but being able to influence, I feel like, you know, because our energy is so strong, you know, and like, I don't know. And And like being able to combat that energy that we already put out, it takes a certain kind of really powerful energy, I feel like, to match the energy that we have, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Also the desire to cause harm, you know, I mean, makes, I think that's why people usually associate it with demonic energy is because it's hurting a person. So that must be an evil force. And if you think evil, you automatically go to demonic. I mean, I do think though that there are like, you know, like evil or like menacing Mm -hmm. entities that don't have the power to kind of like create that kind of destruction. I'm sure there's a lot of really angry Mm -hmm. ghosts, spirits out there that would love to just fucking hurt people and fuck with them but they don't they can't you know yeah my wild speculation 100% <laughs> sure i'm sure absolutely positive <laughs> <laughs> so after these uh scratches and bruises started appearing on david the family called a catholic priest and then attempted to bless the rental home uh the priest concluded though that the rental house was evil and that they couldn't continue to rent it that was uh pretty responsible of them (laughs) so after the catholic priest came david's visions worsened and they began occurring in the daytime and not just at night Uh, that's (laughs) (laughs) for whatever reason that freaks me out the most yeah it's like when shit happens in the day no, like, I know, that's terrible. Like, I don't know, man. There's, like, something about the night that's, like, you know, shit comes out at night. And I do believe that. But, like, I don't know what it is. It's well, the brazenness it. of it. It's you the expect whole, it at night. You don't expect it in the daytime. So when it happens, you're like, what the fuck? It's the whole, like, I'm going to fuck with you, bitch, and I'm going to do it during the day. That's how <laughs> fucking... You know, I, I don't, don't have a timeline. I don't have a goddamn I'm fucking care. dead. <laughs> <laughs> Brazen. Brazen. <laughs> So 12 days after the paranormal activity began, the Glatzel family called the Warrens to come and help them. The Warrens. There's your first nasty lion bitches. I have that in my notes. Warrening. Warrening. did his job, they wouldn't have to call the Warrens. Just saying. I mean, The priest had any better (laughs) advice than just move. They probably wouldn't have had to call the warrants. He tried to bless the house, but the house was too evil. And he had an obligation to the family to be like, you shouldn't live here. And the family, I get it. There's a lot of stories of people who like are stuck in the haunted house because they sunk all their money into buying it and they can't leave or they rent and they can't afford to, to leave. I mean, that's a pretty common theme in like all those haunting shows and shit like that I feel like you that's know that's a pretty common yeah. thing because just wouldn't you being just poor. fucking leave if you <laughs> yeah. could you know like if it was scary you would just leave except for me i would be stubborn and be like <laughs> you're not gonna push me out of my house yeah if it was a ghost but like the crackheads that i had to uh, deal with off of colfax and federal if i had the money fuck, i would have left that i could handle a demon i i would take a demon <laughs> over a crackhead i think oh same 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, Hannah. <laughs> it's okay. So Lorraine Warren allegedly witnessed a black mist materialize next to David, and uh, she claimed that it was an indication of a malevolent presence. But she's the only one who saw it? She's the only one who saw it. Okay. I call shenanigans on that. Questionable. Uh, Debbie and her mother told the Warrens that they'd seen David being beaten and choked by invisible hands, and then afterwards red marks had appeared on his neck. So David had started to growl, hiss, and speak in otherworldly voices and began reciting passages from the Bible and John Milton's Paradise Lost. And every night, a different Glatzel family member would stay awake with David while he suffered spasms and convulsions. So the Warrens claimed David suffered multiple possessions, and they performed three lesser exorcisms on him. How do they know it's multiple possessions instead of just one possession of some big old dude? Because they're making shit up. (laughs) Oh. So they performed multiple lesser, what are they called? Exorcisms? (laughs) Exceptions? Exceptions? I don't know. Is this a tax? Attacks the podcast. Attacks the podcast. (laughs) They performed three (laughs) lesser exorcisms, which why would you not just perform like one one big exorcism? exorcism. (laughs) What good is a lesser exorcism going to do? Also, what is a lesser exorcism? What is lesser versus more? Also, it's really hard to say lesser exorcism. Lesser, lesser, lesser exorcism. So Lorraine Warren, I'm saying so, so many times that I'm like very hyper aware of it. Oh man, I used to say very hyper aware until you pointed it out. I used to say people could play a drinking game to my podcast episodes that I say so. Every time I say so, take a drink. So if you guys want to play that game, go back to the Halloween episode from last year with all the dead bodies. I say so a lot. You can play a drinking game and get pretty buzzed off it. <laughs> Don't play that game with me. You will get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> so Lorraine so. Warren. <laughs> so Lorraine Warren claimed that David had levitated, stopped breathing for a time, and even demonstrated precognition during these exorcisms. Uh, and specifically, the precognition was in relation to the murder that Arnie Johnson would later commit. I just want to point mm. out that in all of these stories about the Warrens, you know, like involvement with these exorcisms, Lorraine is always the one to come in and be like, this weird shit happened, I swear. Yeah. it's. I feel like Ed was just like, all right, Okay, honey. I guess. Like, <laughs> Lorraine Flack. Okay. <laughs> I feel like she was the crazy one. Do you think she really saw the shit or do you think she was a, just a true fraud from I don't know. Or do you think beginning? that it was like... Like I don't know. Like, I'm like wildly speculating, but was she mentally ill? Did she like truly believe it? Well, I wonder if she had some true experiences. Yeah. And so that led her into like the business. And know, then the, the they business. started actually making money. And, but then and she that's had when to shit keep always the fraud up because she it's had when to. when money gets involved. Yeah. I think that most people who are frauds come from a place of wanting to believe it so badly that they get the wrapped up in their own shit. Like yeah, I bet yeah. she would tell you, like I really believed it. Like yeah. oh yeah, she no, I'm in sure. all of the cases that they did, she's like very vehement about the fact that like everything was true the way that she had said it. And yeah. like so, she, I, I really think that she believed everything happened to so a certain it, extent, even if she fucking made shit up. <laughs> and in some ways, that's just kind of like a lesser version of what we were talking about in terms of in our last podcast about believing it so much 
yeah that like you create create it within reality, yourself yeah. and people who don't believe it are not the people who ex- have those experiences it's the people who do believe it who have mm-hmm. the experiences well and there's a lot of people that she has worked that both of the warrens have worked with that they are also very vehement about it like happening the way that it happened like in the amityville case the young kid i can't remember his name but the one who was like the youngest kid at the time of the hauntings and stuff he is very like he is so adamant about the fact that it happened it was a haunting everyone else in the family is like it was a hoax our dad has Mm, substance abuse problems like this is how it went down but that younger kid is like he was really close to the Warrens, specifically Lorraine, and he was very adamant about the fact that it was a haunting. Well, yeah. And I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that because he was the youngest and therefore the most impressionable and also kind of like those memories that you have when you're really young don't always translate to the most accurate interpretation of what yeah. actually happened because you're so young and you remember it a certain way. And so I wonder if that has something to do with it. In October of 1980, the Warrens contacted Brookfield police to warn them that the situation had become dangerous. Eyewitness testimony claims that Arnie Johnson coerced one of the demons in David to possess him while participating in the exorcisms. Why would you do that? There are professionals <laughs> there trying to get rid of this demon. Why would you willingly like, be like, oh, no, take me. Just I get hop it. On over here, it's your buddy. fiance's. <laughs> Little brother, and you want to be all machismo and be like, oh, I'm the man, I can take it. What? Or he just wanted an excuse for the murder that he committed. (laughs) Maybe, maybe there's that. Maybe he just like really hated his landlord and he's like, this is what I need. Like, yeah. Well, and like, even if he was possessed and he asked to be possessed, then wouldn't that kind of be a certain type of premeditated murder. <laughs> It'd be negligence. It, I think like, you could at least be charged with manslaughter. Yeah. <laughs> I should be a paranormal lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, I was going to say a lawyer for the paranormal. Paranormal. So at this point, <laughs> this is where the story in A Haunting starts to stray from other people's depictions of Arnie Johnson's possession. So according to the show... After Johnson egged on the demon, he was attacked rather viciously by it. The demon took control of his car and forced it into a tree. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Johnson was unharmed, surprisingly. Um, And afterwards, Arnie returned to the rental property to examine an old well that supposedly held the demon inside of it. I feel like the demon did that on purpose. I feel like if the demon wanted him to be injured in the car crash he would have been injured in the car crash like i feel like that was more of like a hey this is what you signed up for kind of thing you wanted me here like (laughs) you asked for this (laughs) in both the dramatization and johnson's personal account he recollects that the when he went to the old well this was his final encounter with the demon while he was still completely lucid After encountering the demon at the well and making eye contact with it, Johnson became fully possessed. Mm. The Warrens say that they warned Johnson not to do this, um, but their warning wasn't mentioned anywhere in a haunting in the story. Yeah. So they um, just like after the fact were like, like, yeah, they're like, we told him not to. We told him. We told him not to do that. 
Why didn't they tell him not to invite the demon to possess him in <laughs> yeah. the fucking first place? Maybe they didn't expect him to be that stupid. <laughs> Take me instead. <laughs> That's some like real like hero oh, bullshit. Yeah. Like <laughs> superhero <laughs> complex. Yeah. Nobody does that in real life. So at the same time that Johnson was being possessed, David's condition was worsening still. Um, Debbie and Arnie decided to move out of Debbie's mother's home at this point. And I would have moved a while before. I know. <laughs> like, oh, your son is possessed? Um, oh, I don't think you know why? I just found out. a new place to live. <laughs> and that's kind of like the end that we hear about David and his condition. David so was we, like chill after that? He was all cool? No, his condition started to worsen. And then we don't then know. We just, I don't know. He, he's alive, David's. but... <laughs> but by condition, I thought you meant the possession. And he's not possessed anymore if Arnie's now possessed. But he was but possessed, possessed by multiple spirits. Yes. He had multiple. Remember? So Arnie didn't do shit. He just got himself possessed. <laughs> yeah. And David's in exactly the same boat <laughs> yeah. he was in before. Yes. Pretty much what Jeez, happens Arnie. with all good Samaritans. They mean well. <laughs> yeah. But it often ends <laughs> poorly. Now there's just two possessed people. Yes. <laughs> so Debbie was hired by Alan Bono as a dog groomer, and Alan was a new resident in Brookfield. Debbie and Arnie began renting an apartment closer to Debbie's job that uh, Alan Bono was the landlord of. <laughs> okay. So... He was her boss. Yes, he was her, her boss landlord. and her landlord. I've heard from people that that does not yeah, usually I end well. <laughs> I don't no. imagine that it would. From actually several people who have been in that situation, it doesn't end well. <laughs> After moving into their new apartment, Arnie Johnson started exhibiting strange behavior that was very similar to David's. Debbie feared at this point that Arnie had been possessed as well. And according to Debbie, Johnson fell into trance-like states where he would growl and hallucinate, but later had no memory of it. Ooh. And this is where we get to the moida. The whole trance-like state and not remembering any of it sounds like a little bit like the werewolf. We that's what I say. It sounds like earlier. Bill. I mean, that's like a common thread with people who say that they're possessed. Bill, what's his face? Ramsey. Ramsey. <laughs> Bill, what's his face? Ramsey. <laughs> So, on, <laughs> on February 16th, 1981, Arnie Johnson called in sick to his job at the Wright Tree Service. He joined Debbie at the kennel where she worked, along with his sister, Wanda, and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin, Mary. Alan Bono bought the group lunch at a local bar and then proceeded to drink very heavily. After lunch, the group returned to the kennel. Debbie took the girls to get pizza, and she insisted that they be quick because she anticipated that there was going to be trouble with Arnie Johnson and Alan Bono back at the kennel. So the girls returned, and Bono was agitated and very intoxicated at this point. Everyone left the room except for Bono, who grabbed Mary and refused to let her go. Arnie demanded that Bono let Mary go. And Mary was running for the car as Debbie tried to mitigate the situation between Johnson and Bono. Wanda attempted to pull Arnie away, but he growled like an animal and drew out a five-inch pocket knife and stabbed Bono repeatedly. Oh, wow. Um, can I just, because this might help all of you as Hannah continues this story, I'm finding it quite enjoyable to picture Bono in the role <laughs> of Bono. That's all. <laughs> I agree. I love it. 
(laughs) Bono died several hours later. Oh, well, now I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) He suffered four or five tremendous wounds. That's too much suffering. Tremendous. Tremendous. (laughs) The most tremendous wounds. Tremendously. Most most of these wounds were to his chest, and there was one that stretched from his stomach to the base of his heart. Yikes. Gross. Wow. So yeah. it was more of a slash that was than too a much stab. Suffering. Even Bono doesn't deserve that it's after too the tremendous. two albums. <laughs> too tremendous. <laughs> Johnson was later found two miles from the murder scene, and he was held at the Bridgeport Correctional Center. And... Fun fact, this is the first murder in the history of Brookfield, Connecticut. Wow. wow. In the 80s? In the 80s, the yeah. whole history? I, I, I like, think it's a very small town. <laughs> I feel it's like, got to go back a ways if it's Connecticut. It's got to go back yeah, to like the That's like, the, I don't you know, know. Don't ask me. It was on Wikipedia. The, the first maybe <laughs> reported murder. But yeah, I have probably. a really hard time believing that it was the first murder ever in the whole 200 and whatever fucking years that America's been a country. Maybe they were just like, <laughs> hey, if you got to murder someone, go to one town over. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep things nice here. My kids go to school here. <laughs> this is a good town <laughs> we don't murder here we murder over in new jersey get out of here <laughs> that's right everything uh, is legal in new jersey i mean that's not <laughs> counting the indigenous peoples that were slayed to take well, over the land obvi. but you know <laughs> that would be too many murders to count the day after the murder lorraine warren told the brookfield police that johnson was possessed when he committed the crime oh thanks lorraine thanks lorraine always looking out <laughs> like he was possessed <laughs> The media blitz that surrounded this story was fueled by the Warrens to a certain extent. Because well, of course I, well, yeah. it was. <laughs> uh, their agents promised that lectures, a book, and a movie were in the works after this case. Love that. Yeah, Somebody I died know. and you're like, oh, sick. Wow. I'm going to write a dope-ass book yeah. about this. Johnson's lawyer, Martin Manella, tried to submit a plea of not guilty by virtue of possession. The judge, however, Robert Callahan, rejected the defense, saying that no such defense could exist in a court of law due to lack of evidence. And he said it would be a relative and unscientific to allow related testimony, which good on you, judge. <laughs> <laughs> so the defense chose to imply that Johnson acted in self-defense. So the jury was legally not allowed to consider de- demonic possession as a viable explanation for the murder. Oh, and the jury deliberated for 15 hours over the course of three days and found Johnson guilty of first-degree manslaughter. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years, but only served five. Why? What? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just confused as to how you deliberate for 15 hours about this case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, like that's not enough or that's too much? It's too much. It's a murder case. You got to go into detail. Yeah, but he obviously murdered him and it was obviously meditated i don't know well, i just probably, feel like that's a long ass time to be deliberating about an obvious murder charge but with the events the way that they happened i can understand how you would need to deliberate like for self-defense yeah because like mm. he was intoxicated he had debbie's nine-year-old cousin yeah that's and was true. like holding her hostage yeah. essentially for a little bit and so like yes it was not self-defense <laughs> but i can see how you would need to like work that out a little and you're instructed to go through like all the details yeah, yeah. and review every single piece of evidence i think you're instructed to do those things have any of us ever <laughs> served never, on a jury i have 
been called for jury duty. I actually have served on a jury. And I know. <laughs> no. In murder cases, generally, they're supposed to go through everything from the yeah. beginning and make sure. Yeah. So it makes I sense know that this. murder cases generally take longer. We deliberated for like an hour. And then we were out of there. And I didn't go back to work. We're going to no, be out I of wouldn't. here because that's my break. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, hey. Did you enjoy my segue? I did. That was good. That and was have, a really good segue. I have to pee, so I think that's really good. Now we're recording. Ah! Fighter of the night, man. No, I was thinking of the other one. Ah! <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we just jumping right back into it? Now I get to talk about how shitty the Warrens are. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, take a shot. Because I said so again. Um, <laughs> Drink, everyone. Gerald Brittle. Gerard. Gerald. 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 Gerald Brittle. We should just always decide to pronounce everyone's name as weird as possible. Absolutely. And not only just not research how it's pronounced, but just be like, this is how I'm going to say it this entire episode. I mean, I don't know why I, I started pronouncing it differently, because there's no other way that that could be pronounced. Obviously. Gerald. All right. Gerald Brittle. <laughs> Gerald Brittle. Gerald Brittle, with the help of Lorraine Warren, published a book about the case that I was talking about. called The Devil in Connecticut. Lorraine stated that the profits from the book were shared with the family. Well, isn't she just a nice person? Yeah, but how many of those profits profits. were shared with the family? $2,000, exactly. Oh, that's it? Was paid to the family by the book publisher. So like 0.3% of the profits were shared with the family? I didn't look up what (laughs) the profits were for the book, but I'm sure that $2,000 is not very much of the profits. No. I would think, but that technically it made more. they didn't lie. Profits were shared with the family. <laughs> That's true. In 2006, David Glatzel and his brother Carl Jr. <laughs> I love Carl <laughs> Jr. <laughs> <laughs> they sued the authors of *The Devil in Connecticut* and the book publishers for violating their right to privacy, libel, and intentional affli- affliction of emotional distress. Carl Jr. claimed that the book alleged that he committed criminal and abusive acts against his family. They stated that the possession story was a hoax concocted by Ed and Lorraine Warren to exploit the family and his brother David's mental illness. The book presented Carl as the villain because he didn't believe the supernatural claims. And Carl says that the Warrens told him the story would make the family rich and help get Arnie Johnson out of jail. With $2,000? That's not even going to get him out of jail. No, I think that the book being written, they meant that like his story being out there would help him oh. not be convicted, is what I gathered from that. Oh, okay. Or like help him get his conviction overturned. I see. Because then people would believe people that believe he was possessed. He was possessed. Yeah. Okay. Can I just ask a question? Yeah. Fast? So like after he became possessed and he killed this person and then he's like going through the whole trial and everything, like did he ever act possessed again? <laughs> No, <laughs> not from what I found. I mean, like if he's just sitting in a courtroom and I'm on the jury and he's just like sitting there in a suit looking all normal and saying that he was possessed. 
I mean, I know he didn't say he was possessed in the courtroom because the jury wasn't allowed to consider that. Him. Whatever. But still, I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's not that convincing. Yeah. Was he but exercised? He... Not that I saw so anywhere. was in the courtroom. If you're on the jury and he's in the courtroom and he's, like, writhing on the floor and, like, speaking in tongues, I feel like I would believe that less, personally. I'm like, that's easy to fake. You're faking it. But if you're going to try and if use you're... that as your defense... And I know they didn't let him use it as his defense, but he tried. Then, like, back it up. Like, at like, least if have it, a story about why you're no longer possessed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, like, the, the only incidence of you being, quote, unquote, possessed is you killing somebody and then you're not you're possessed like, anymore magically. Now. I got better. I got better. <laughs> the I'm last story took place in England. <laughs> I'm gonna this start is taking place in Connecticut. Connecticut. <laughs> How do you do a Connecticut accent? I'm going to start using that just for anything, like... Uh, oh, I'm sorry that I was an asshole. I was possessed. I'm, I'm not anymore, though. though. It's cool. Sorry that I had a little bit of road rage the there. Next I was time, possessed. The next time I have a bad morning at work, because pretty often I'll like get stressed at work and be kind of a dick to my coworkers. Not like to my coworkers, but just be like a dick, period. <laughs> you know? And then I'll have to, after I take my lunch and have a cigarette, I'll usually come in and be like, hey, I would like to apologize for my behavior earlier my this morning. This and the next time that that happens, I'm going to come in from my lunch and be like, hey, sorry about this morning. I was actually possessed. <laughs> but I'm but not I'm anymore. Now. I'm fine now. The nicotine helped. Better the now. Nicotine banished and now it. we can write a story, a book about it. And <laughs> well, I'll make a lot of money. I'm going to make $2,000. $2,000. Yep. <laughs> So the publicity generated by this story forced Carl to drop out of school and he lost friends and business opportunities, he Why? said. I don't understand I how it forced him to drop out of school. <laughs> I feel like that's just like, you know... <sighs> I feel like that would be me saying just like some dumb bullshit about why I dropped out of school. Like that seems like a lame excuse. You dropped out of school because you A, didn't want to do it or B, couldn't handle it. You're not fooling anybody. But if there was like a book published about your family and... It's really easy to go to college and not fucking talk to anybody. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So that one very small detail in this large story was obviously was something too that touched much for her. her belly. <laughs> No, I just think it's silly. I hear you. He he. That's not an excuse. He chose to drop out of college for whatever personal reasons he had. It doesn't even say college. On. I think he was a child. You said he's something about college. I did. You said did he not. dropped out of he school. He dropped out of school. That's what you said. <laughs> is that he dropped out of school? Extrapolating. And I assumed. Well, didn't you say like if he's if he's actively fighting against the Warrens, I highly doubt he's a child. Yeah, I thought no, he was he's an adult, an adult at this point. Yeah, so he dropped out of 80s. college because he's an adult. <laughs> you don't know that. And he said he was an adult. He's an adult now because <laughs> this happened in the eighties. That doesn't mean that at the time, <sighs> there's nothing that says that he wasn't a child when this happened. Anyways. So we just do, have no idea what that one sentence in Hannah's story actually means. <laughs> Let's do. move on. Oh, my God. So currently, Carl Jr. is working on a book called Alone Through the Valley, which tells his version of the events. Lorraine and Lorraine Warren defended her work and said that six priests who were involved agreed at the time that David was possessed. However, the priests involved denied that any exorcisms actually transpired in the Glatzel home. Not even lesser exorcisms? Not even lesser exorcisms. Wow, so that's even just being 
said it's bullshit now. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So that's great. <laughs> wow. And Gerald Britter, Gerald Brittle, the author of The Devil in Connecticut, claims that he wrote the book in order to tell the family's story. And he says that they signed off on the book and claims he had over 100 hours of interviews with the family. But David's father denies saying that his son was ever possessed. Carl Sr. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But they had to have signed off on the book at some point in order for it to legally have been published. Yeah, you can write you, you can you sign want. off on the book, but it can be very different from what you signed off on. And that yeah. is still, like, they could have said, we're going to tell your story and we'll tell it exactly as you tell us. But then they could have very much changed the information that they were given. Maybe in it's the different because it was the 80s. And maybe now that like we have more knowledge about like pop culture and like the media and how that shit circulates. But I'm not going to trust anybody that comes up to me. It's like, yeah, we'll tell your story. You just need to sign your name right here. That's just shady. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. shady. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, also, like. Do, do people really need permission, though? I mean, they got $2,000, so they had to have signed off on it in some way or another, but there are unauthorized biographies all, all the time. But the I feel like at that point, in order to maintain, like, a legal sort of, like, precedent, you have to at least change their names. You know, Unless it's like, necessarily I, true. Unauthorized no. biography of. I wanted to say Reinhold Messner, but that's a Ben Folds album. But like unauthorized <laughs> biography of Barack Obama, like that, they're just yeah. writing the story about Barack Obama. Yeah. And I well, think there's probably some libel, like you could probably still sue for libel if it's not mm, accurate. Which is I what guess. they were suing for. They were suing okay. for libel and like okay. emotional distress. Maybe I don't understand the law in this case. No, I'm agreeing with you. No, but I'm saying like, so oh. maybe, <laughs> maybe the whole idea of unauthorized biographies doesn't prevent people from like. It doesn't well, prevent you from being sued. You I can don't still think. sue for but libel. legally. You have to be, but yeah, libel, you, you can, have to show certain things. Like you have to show that what is written is untrue. Yeah, um, and that the person writing it knew it was untrue. I think has to be part of it when they wrote it, and that um, you can write. From what I understand, you can write all the shit you want about somebody if it's true. Yeah. And you can't okay. get in trouble and for it. And no one it. needs to sign off yeah. on it. But if, you can okay. if somebody can prove that what you wrote about them was not true and it also defames their character, I think. I, I think. I'm not a lawyer, but I think that that's kind of how law You're works. You're not? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, so Arnie Johnson and Debbie Glatzel are the only ones who wholeheartedly support the Warrens' ideas and account of the events. There, I, I, I assume, like, obviously Arnie wants to because he fucking killed a man. <laughs> yeah, it would benefit him. It would definitely benefit him. So, yeah. And this case is the inspiration for the upcoming third Conjuring movie oh. called The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh. Said to be released in 2021. Interesting. Yeah. Is the movie supposed to depict it as something that happened, like a true story? Yes. So it all, doesn't. If you have you seen any of the Conjuring movies? I've seen like the very first one. I so think. all of the Conjuring movies, and I think like the other ones in this quote unquote cinematic universe that the Warrens have, which it's so weird that the Warrens have a fucking cinematic universe and I it hate is. it. it. <laughs> that in and of itself just, to me, lends credence to the f 
to the idea that they're frauds. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I mean, I think like all of the cases that they are involved with are so interesting though. And they make really compelling stories, whether they're true or not. Yeah. And it does make sense that that would kind of like become like a franchise. But I think like you said, like they just like attached themselves to so many cases without actually doing any work. uh So their names. Enfield Poltergeist, which is what the second Conjuring movie is based on. And so their names are so prominent in so many cases that are actually interesting and like yeah um, and the the first conjuring movie the case that that one is based off of the Perrin family case that is another one that is like widely thought to be completely fraudulent yeah um and like everyone who's lived in the house that the events took place in since they like the Warrens were there have said that it's totally fine like it's not a haunted house nobody else has experienced anything similar to the Amityville house Mm -hmm. right um so yeah they just attach themselves the the Enfield poltergeist makes me so mad though because I am so intrigued by that case and I truly believe that there was some form of a spirit there I really believe that and like the girls involved said that they faked about one percent of it and so a lot of people will write it off and be like, well, they faked it all then. Yeah. But I think that they didn't. Like, there's stuff when you read about it, you can tell which stuff they could have very easily faked. And then you can tell the stuff that is, like, very compellingly true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that makes me mad that the Warrens fucking attached themselves to it when they didn't do any work. They yeah. showed up for, like, a couple of days and then left when Guy Playfair was the one who was there for, like, six months at a time and was essentially, like, their stepfather Uh while he was trying to figure out the case and help them. And, like, he gets no recognition for it because the Warrens were like, no, we did that. Yeah, that's (laughs) fucked up. That was us. So, yeah, fuck the Warrens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Was that, is that, that's it. That's your story. Good. Fuck the Warrens. Fuck the Warrens. (laughs) All right. Well, it was a good story, Hannah. Thanks. All right. Well, then it's time to move on to... Things that don't suck. I can go. So my thing that I want to talk about is, it's more of an update, but it's also a thing that doesn't suck, is our piano. So I can't remember if I updated everybody from the last time when we talked about the headache of trying to get it to our house, but we got it to the house and it's been in the garage and it is a really cool old piano it needs a lot of work but um we've done some research on it and i have decided based upon my research that this piano used to be in the cocktail lounge of ramon's cuisine and cocktails that was on uh 235 fillmore street in denver back in the 60s and uh so i have evidence to base that on but i would say it's still mostly wild speculation (laughs) but it is fun to think about and then uh my dad's coming over to look at it today and see if uh if it's worth fixing or if we need to come up with a different plan. So that's pretty cool. Yay! I'm excited. That's my thing that doesn't suck. Pianos! Yay! It's not haunted. So that kind of sucks. (laughs) I'll go next. It's really dumb. I'm playing with my nails right now and I just broke a nail. But I think that thing that doesn't suck is that I can get a dollar fifty manicures off the internet from China. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Yay! Supporting small 
small businesses in Utah that buy their supplies from China. <laughs> I just, and sell it to me. I just got a text from one of the voting people who were like, are you registered to vote? And they called me Salem. <laughs> really? I don't know why. Because you're on my plan, maybe. Oh, maybe. Why did somebody call me Douglas? Did they think I was grandpa? <clears throat> maybe. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Poor grandpa. I'm not grandpa. <laughs> All right, girls, go. Um, my thing that doesn't suck is the fact that I had the day off today, I guess. One day off a week. Yay! Yay! I guess that doesn't no, suck. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'll come up with a better one. Hannah, All right, you go next. Go. <laughs> my thing that doesn't suck is that, oh, I know. I'm going back to school. And I got accepted. Cool. Oh, you did. I meant to ask you about that. I just Good have job. To put in my audition, which I need to fix because I need to state the songs that I am singing before I sing them. Oh. And I did not do that. Is Grandpa <laughs> going to help you with that? I do not know. Well, you can talk to him when he gets here. Yay. Yeah. But good job for getting accepted. My thing that doesn't suck is the podcast. I know it's so stupid, but I look forward to this every week. And I just like, you know, I don't know. I mean, even if it doesn't like go anywhere, I just enjoy being here. Me too. Hanging out with the family. That's what it's talking about. Talking about some spooky shit. Yeah. I just like really love it. Yeah. Me too. So my thing that doesn't suck this week is the podcast. Aww. I hope there's some listeners out there that think the same thing. Yeah. That, don't, that, that we don't suck. Think that our we podcast don't suck. <laughs> and if you do think that we don't suck, then send us a review. Um, or review us, I should say. Don't yeah. don't send it to us because no, that would absolutely do us no good. Us. But get on to Let iTunes. Let us know what you think and review us. Get our name out there. You and uh, once again, if you would like a business card, email <laughs> me your address, <laughs> and you can mail. request who signs it. If you would like a signed one, we'll <laughs> send it to you. If you would like one that's not marred with our signature, we'll send, we'll that, send that to, to you, you as well. well. All right. Well. All right, friends. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FFS, the podcast. Um, and you can find us at Gmail at FFS, the podcast at gmail.com. So email it. us. Lawyers. Yeah, and or email comment about comment. Email us, comments, us. Email us. Tweet shit us. Shit that you might want to hear us talk about. You could email us. Yeah. Some of your spooky bullshit that happened to yeah, you. Yeah, tell us your stories. Tell us your best Just Halloween. Just talk to me. I'm fucking lonely. COVID's driving me nuts. <laughs> tell me all your trauma. Tell me your trauma. Do you ever get nervous? work it out together.